0: I'm David Stoker and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag hope dealer movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hang up. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support. Because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. This week we are doing 10 questions with someone in recovery. And since I'm at Kate Girardeau doing a certified peer specialist training for a good group, I have an opportunity to talk to some people while I'm here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little
1: bit about you. Hi, David. My name is Chris Robbins, and I am a person in long-term recovery. And for me, that means that I have not used any mind-altering substance, as well as my mental health has been in a manageable state since uh, November 2nd of 2014. I'm from here in Cape Dorado, and I just love to uh, I love to see what, what this recovery movement in Cape is becoming.
0: That's awesome. Um, so... Basically, the premise for 10 questions is a long time ago, not a long time ago, last year. I uh, put out a poll to people and said, hey, if you could talk to somebody in recovery, what are some questions you'd want to hear? And I put together a bank of questions, and then I put those to vote. Mm-hmm. And these are the top 10 questions. And the very first one is, why'd you start using Beginwick?
1: You know, um, that, that, that's a it's pretty heavy Heavy answer, like it. it, it there's, there's no single answer to that. Um, the truth is, I suffered with mental illness for a long time before it ever got any attention. Um, If it couldn't be solved, if I had a problem that couldn't be solved with substance use or violence, I didn't have an answer for it. Um, I just, I didn't know there was another way of handling things. It was a culture that I grew up in and I held out on using or drinking until I was about 12 years old. And that was, that was pretty amazing that I held out that long. So, um, but I guess it was somewhat, somewhat for acceptance and, and, and for this, for this acceptance that I sought for so long. And, and once I did take that drink, And I felt those feelings that I never knew how to deal with go away. Um, There was just no stopping.
0: So you started at 12. I'm guessing, based on what you're saying, was you said there was mental health. Was there trauma? There was.
1: My my first memory is of violence in the home, of my mom being beaten badly. Um, Shortly after that, my biological father walked out and... uh, you know, mom did the best she could. I was exposed to life as she knew it, um, and and it, by no fault of her own, she did the best she could, and she did a wonderful job for being a single mother. But but uh, like with many families, it it you know these the, these feelings that I brought to the table wasn't something we discussed, and it wasn't anything that she had experienced dealing with in a healthy manner. So when I brought these feelings to the table and they were unidentifiable by any of us, there was only one solution to be had.
0: Okay. So what made you decide to stop Then, I mean, if this is answering all these questions and dealing with all these issues, kind of what helping you numb and escape.
1: Yeah. Helping, helping me get rid of these feelings. I, I, I literally used and drank to not feel feelings anymore. Um, and, and it provided a great solution with that, with that being the end goal. Um, the, the shortest answer I can give you on why I stopped. Um, I, I had kind of a break in the drug use and leaned heavier on alcohol, um, around the time I was 20 years old, I was, I was seeing the results of drug use and and alcoholism. And I was seeing my friends either die of overdoses, get shot or go to prison. And I decided that's not the life I wanted. Um, so I joined the army and I ended up doing two tours in Iraq and I came home with PTSD to compound the other mental illness. Um, whenever, (coughs) bless you. Whenever, uh, whenever I came home, I didn't have the courage to, to ask for help or to, to tell somebody that I didn't know what I was going through. Um, I just, I knew one way to handle things and I fell back into the streets and I fell back into use. Um, the reason why I stopped is, is some fast forward a few years from that return. And I was facing 35 years in in the penitentiary and my, my children had been removed from the home, and life, what little life I knew was crumbling around me. Um, it, there was a restraining order in place from my wife, and, and I just, I, life was falling apart, and I, 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 like many, I looked at losing my freedom.
0: Okay. So, before we get into some of the whys of recovery, when you hear the word recovery, what does recovery mean to you?
1: The simple answer is is returning to a state of, a a state of health. Um, the just the the, the textbook definition um, for me it is it is building a life worth living and and be, becoming an asset um, to those around me. Rather, I spent so much time as a liability to to come out of that spot and no longer pose a threat, but also hold the potential for good, um, whether it be for a family basis, for my children, for a community, um, on whatever level to, to, to make that shift from liability to asset is, is, is what it was for me. Uh, it, it's kind of a personal thing. And I, I know it fluctuates between a lot of people, a lot of different, a lot of different, uh, definitions of what recovery really is out there. But, but for me, it is, it is the opportunity to, to build a life worth living.
0: Okay. So so we talked about what made you decide to stop, but when you first stepped into recovery, what were the things that kind of got you there to begin with? Like those first things that helped you in those beginning steps?
1: Well, there was a lot. Um, I had the opportunity, and I'm one of the lucky ones that, that was afforded the opportunity for treatment court. I believe wholeheartedly in treatment court and, and the way it can change lives because indirect correlation to your question i don't know that alcoholics anonymous or narcotics anonymous or or treatment in itself ever would have been enough but but i was given the opportunity for affordable affordable therapy and counseling and 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 other things that weren't afforded to many um and that they've had to do without and the combination of those two If I'm being honest, for the first while, for probably the first year in treatment court and in and out of these therapies, I was very resistant. Um, But these two things coupled together, a program of action um, as well as therapy and and, and getting down to causes and conditions, they... uh, they gave me a taste of good that I, I I never tasted that good that life had to offer my life was limited this is the only life that is ever meant for me this is this is where I come from and this is where I'll die and and to see new possibilities and to see uh, to taste that that true freedom and I'm, when I say true freedom I don't just mean the being out here on the streets and 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 not being behind bars I mean Peace, peace to taste. Peace was not something I was familiar with, and whenever I got the first touch of peace, I wanted more.
0: So, how long into the court process did that take you? How long into your recovery?
1: In all honesty, I, I had the threat of termination from from uh, from treatment court because somehow I managed to stay sober, but uh, to to stay dry and to stay substance free, but. In all honesty, I had every intention of going back to what I knew to do. And being that that was my intention, my actions never really changed over the course of the first year or so. Um, I kept doing what I was doing before. I, kept, I, I had these control issues. I wanted to live life my way and on my terms. And I wanted when, what I wanted when I wanted it. And none of that really ever started to change for me um, in that first year. And because of that... My life was still crumbling. Like I, 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 I was faced with with the possibility of permanent separation from my children, um, separation from my wife, who I cherish. Um, life was still falling apart, and I, I just couldn't seem to to get ahead. Um, so at at some point, I became I became a little less resistant, and I I, I began treatment court with the mentality you can't expect me to think like you because my life's not like yours. Um, along the way that mentality lessened. And I, I recognized that when I, when I tried to parallel my thoughts with you, with, with those that were succeeding, I started tasting some of the same successes. And, and so it took a while, but, uh, Man, once I got that taste, it was it was just like the use. Once I got that taste and that freedom, I it would it would I wanted more, and I wanted to build and build and build.
0: So I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'll ask this question because <clears throat> I think I know what you're gonna say. In early recovery, what helped you maintain your sobriety the most?
1: <sighs> the program of Alcoholics Anonymous was huge in my in in my recovery. Um, a practical program of action, like-minded individuals. And (laughs) if I, if I'm, if I'm being extremely honest about myself, then, uh, the threat of incarceration, because I was in treatment court and I was subject to drug testing six days a week that, that, that threat over my head, um, really made it possible Um, I was white knuckling it the whole time and I was holding on for dear life and, um, the, the thoughts of using never ceased, but having, being faced with that threat and knowing what came behind that threat, um, made it, made it a goal. You know, if it it wasn't for that, I would have found a way to, to have used in early recovery. I would, I, I would have found a way to hide behind that progress not perfection and then slipped one in. <laughs> okay.
0: <clears throat> so that hammer.
1: The hammer. The 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 thumb in my back.
0: Right. So, what's the most important thing you have ever done for your recovery?
1: Surrender. Um surrender, abandon my old ideals, become open-minded, um and become become willing to to take some action whereas before i wanted things to happen for me so the open mindedness and the willingness to to let me let me share something with you one of the things that that have stood out to me since entering it since entering into recovery um probably around that year mark when i actually started taking it seriously um i read I read a letter that Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, had, had written to the Grapevine newsletter in 1965 or 1969. And in that letter, um, Bill was quoted as saying, the essence of all growth is a willingness to change for the better and an unremitting willingness to shoulder whatever responsibility that entails and for me it was becoming willing willing to shoulder that responsibility the small things the the little changes that had to be made
0: yeah because over time those little things become become big the
1: big things and in, in, in my military experience we uh you know the, the army's big on acronyms and in my military experience we had what uh it it also helped me in goal setting it we had uh what they called the metal uh, it was called a medal. it was a m-e-t-l a medal, and it was a mission essential task listing and it was those small things that helped accomplish the bigger mission and that's that's what recovery has been for me is is the the willingness to do those small things
0: okay <clears throat> and a lot of times they're still small things
1: every day yeah. every day
0: yeah that's a good way to look at it it's a good way to look at life really no yeah. You know, these things aren't overwhelming. These things aren't going to kill me.
1: They're not going to kill me. They, uh, they, 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 I am, it, admittedly, I am a destination guy. I, even at five years, five years in recovery, I, I I haven't learned to, to appreciate the journey that much. I, it, it's a learning process for me. I love a fresh mowed yard. I don't like to cut the grass. <laughs> I love Thanksgiving dinner. I don't want to baste a turkey. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I heard on a movie, and pardon me, but uh, on a movie uh, a couple years ago, the, guy, the father said, uh, the, the journey sucks. That's what makes the destination so great. And, and that's, that's, that's kind of how I've been, and I'm growing out of that slowly thanks to recovery. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's doing those little things and participating in a life that I once neglected.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I live my life in movie quotes and song quotes. It's just kind of what I do because I, I, I don't have any appreciable skills. <clears throat> While everybody was learning how to play guitar or play football, I was getting high and listening to music and watching movies and doing absolutely nothing. I can relate to that. And uh, Aerosmith, <clears throat> uh, they have their song that's actually about recovery. And, and in that song, he, he says, life's a journey not a destination. Right. You know, I mean, that's what this is. This is a journey. I mean, our destination is death. Right. And then whatever comes after death. Of course, I have my belief on that. You have your belief on that. And that's probably a completely different segment. So, that wouldn't even be about recovery. Right, right. Right. You know, but I I think, you know, even as sure as I am about my faith, I'll not know for sure until I die. Absolutely. Until I reach my destination. And, uh, you know, to me, that destination's got to be worth my journey.
1: Absolutely. And 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 I I I live in those quotes too and and to quote another one I I my first love of my life was hip hop music and just along the lines of what you're saying uh little Wayne was once quoted saying life's a dependent on how you dress her. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to I'm just trying to dress her right, you know. To dress I'm, your I, life well. I'm trying to dress my life well. I'm trying to trying to make sure that make it beautiful, you know? I'm trying I'm trying to trying to add to the beauty instead of instead of uh you know, picking it apart the way I used to. It's
0: kind of a military thing too, right? Like your dress blues or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. So what branch were you in? The army. 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 I know you said that I just I killed a lot of brain cells back I, in the day. So I get it. So, is there one thing you do every day that helps you maintain your recovery?
1: Prayer is a big part of my recovery. Um, my 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 spiritual connectivity is a, is a big part of my recovery. Um, but when I grew up, because of the abandonment issues, because of the acceptance issues, I never knew my own worth. I used to I used to. I used to chase women and, and put my worth in... I would measure my value by if I could get you to talk to me or more, you know? Um, and that would be the measurement of my value. And it was, a, it was a very unhealthy way. But it's very easy for me with my mental illness to, to lose sight of my value today still. Um, so one of the most important things I do is to try to be of service to others. Um, just just, just making somebody... I do corny things, man. Like, like I'll be at Walmart at an automatic sliding door and there'll be a little old lady that looks down, looking at the ground, approaching the door. And I'll say, let me get that door for you and put my foot in front of the door so it opens, you know, like just just to put a smile on somebody's right. face for that day. I do really corny things and I do some other things that... that People don't know about some things. That I do brag about it. It's just just trying to trying to make a positive impact in somebody's day and and earning that earning that recovery, earning this life I've been graced with. Hmm.
0: I'm graced with. I love the lives we have today.
1: Right, it is.
0: Yeah. And you're one of those lucky, fortunate people yeah. like me. You married up which is always good. I tell everybody. All the way out of if you're my to Marry. Marry up. Don't be the person that marries gets married up to and they're always like, "But what about that person?" And I'm like, "A, we love them the best we can and B, we will never cheat on them because we know how green our grass is."
1: Exactly. It, you know? I just try to water it or you know, I try, <laughs> try to let her know how how wonderful she is. I tell my wife every day that she's my hero. And if I'm, you know, I, I don't mind telling the world or any listener to this that that this might come across their ears. My, I'm very blessed in the fact that not only in the vain way did I marry out of my league, but my wife is the example that I try to follow. You know, she she sets a wonderful example to follow, um, whether it be in parenting, whether it be in a career, um, whether it be in her interaction with a complete stranger. She is the most compassionate person I've ever met in my life, and I'm just trying to grow to to... Another hip-hop quote. <coughs> I tell her all the time something I heard out of a song. Um, I tell her that the only reason that I believe in me is I'm trying to be the me that you seem to see you know like I, I'm, I'm trying to earn that
0: right yeah. so what is it that keeps you from reverting back to old behaviors is there one thing is there a bunch of things it's is a it-
1: bunch of things it's, it's what I just said about my wife trying to follow that example I, I have finally found myself in a in a position where my mother is proud of me, um, I, I I'm, I'm not used to that. Um, my children, I often want to quit. I often want to quit. Like uh, things get hard, they seem to they seem unsurmountable. I'll be placed with a with opposition in my life because life does have bad days. Still, um, I often have the I. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. I often have the, my mental illness tells me that it is better to quit than fail. And I have to challenge that. And the things that make that worth it is, is. man, the smiles on my kids' faces. You may have seen the seen the post I made on Facebook the other day where I came home from work and my eight-year-old had, had, had written me a letter that said, uh, dad, you were the best dad ever. You could never be better because you've already gone from zero to, and it was like a hundred trillion or something (laughs) like that. The number she put on this writing, it was like a hundred trillion or something. And she said, and in the letter, she didn't know what she was writing. She said, please never go back to zero. And that's what I can't do. I can't fail them. I know who's watching. I know that, I know that people from my past need an example to follow. And, and i i i don't want to be that guy i, I, I don't want to uh, i don't want to let my kids down i, I want to set an example for my son um, he means the world to me he's he's an amazing young man just turned 18 and, and he you know he's got his whole life in front of him and i want to be there for the rest of that i want to i want to be grandpa i want to be pappy right. you know right. i want to be that
0: so do you have when you were like 12
1: <laughs> my it, it i am dad like- I am dad. Uh, I'm actually four years old, David. I'm stuck at guessing. I'm dad. Um, my wife had him when she was 19. Um, and I've been the most constant figure in his life. Uh, but. Man, we couldn't be more like if we tried he he struggles with some of the same issues that I grew up with with not knowing his Biological father and so on and and to be able to share my experience with him and and to relate to him on a car ride to or from work um, is 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 why I don't quit?
0: Okay, so you've hit on some of these But they, they talk about the gifts of recovery right, you know um, in your life What are some of those amazing gifts that you've seen?
1: Man, I've obviously touched on something that that still pains me today and not having a real relationship with my biological father but uh, I was graced with a wonderful stepfather who I call dad now Um, and from the time I was 11 when I met him until the time I entered recovery. I was extremely resistant, and we fist fought on on with me to blame. Um, there was there was a lot of sordid history there, um, and the biggest miracle to me, the biggest gift to me, is restored relationships. And it is some of some of this <coughs> can't even be considered as restored. It is newfound relationship, um, the ability to be a son, the ability to be a father, the uh, the the gift of. Respect and me being able to look the world in the eye, you know, and that's not where I come from. And, and I come from avoidance, you know, right. um, so so being able to look the world in the eye and these these relationships that that become beautiful budding things in, in, in my world, um man, it, it's life. It's the truth is life. In the sense of the word, life is the gift. Like to be given a life, we we talked about it a little while ago. The the lives that we've been graced with, and right. it it. I don't know what it. I don't know what I was doing before, but it wasn't living. And the ability to live is is the greatest gift I could ever receive. It's
0: another movie quote: "Get busy living or get busy dying." Right. I, mean, I think for a lot of our lives, we we're busy dying. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, something I talk to people about, especially if I'm talking to somebody younger, is. Literally, when I was using I thought that, especially before I was court ordered uh, to go to meetings, the only people I knew who had ever found recovery were dead. I thought that that was the only way that you stopped using drugs was you died. Absolutely. And I, I was destined to die in my addiction. And I abused my body. I didn't abuse drugs. That's one thing I always argue with people about. I'm like, I abused everybody in my life, but, man, I treasured (laughs) and respected drugs.
1: Those I did just right. You
0: know. Um, But I I abused my body, and I definitely misused drugs. And because of that, I have things that now, I mean, now that I have a 7-year-old daughter, I am 47 years old. I have a son that I think will probably end up having to walk my daughter down the aisle because of all the damage I've done to my body. Right. You know, those things that uh, those gifts I have today are amazing, but I I wonder how much of the time I squandered with them. Absolutely,
1: you know? I I I tell my wife and my son I've i told them frequently I, I don't ex- after I don't expect to to live past fifty five or so. Like my life ex- I've I've sh- shredded my life expectancy down so low that uh, anything anything past 50 is going to be a gift, you know, I just expect that. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to fit in as much living as I can right now and, and, and get that done. I, I, I want to see my daughter walk down the aisle. I want to see him walk at graduation and hopefully there's a college graduation, but, but, uh, you know, it, the honest truth is, I could make some some more positive and some more healthy choices today than than what I'm doing. But
0: yeah, as you say that to the kid that's five six and two hundred and sixty pounds, yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> nope, it's not muscle if you don't know me. Um, yeah, absolutely, it's a, it's amazing. Uh, I know better, but at the same time, there's that justification thing sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I give up drugs, right. smoking cigarettes. I'm gonna eat food. I deserve this plate.
1: I des <laughs> <laughs> I deserve this sweet potato pie.
0: I mean, baby, I, I don't mean to cheat on you, but little Debbie, come <laughs> right. on. I mean, for real. Right. So, uh, as a kind of the last question, uh, if you could travel back in time and talk to yourself the day before you used, what would you say to yourself?
1: I would say exactly. I don't even have to think about this. I I did this the other day. I I I I got. As close to ever as I'll ever get to that opportunity. Um, I told you my my amazing son is just turned 18. Of course, he wants to experiment and he wants to have his own journey, and I have to allow for that. Um, I still smoke cigarettes. I actually just recently picked them back up, and and, I don't feel real great about doing it, but I did it. Um, We were in the car, and my son reached for my cigarette pack. And I just watched him, and he pulled one out, And he said, you're not going to stop me? I said, I can't stop you. This is your journey. He said, can I have it? I said, you absolutely can have it. I said, you can. I, I, I can't tell you no. Whatever's mine is yours. However, before you light that thing, I want you to know that this dictates every move I make in a day. This I plan my meals around this. I plan my social hour. I plan my time I get to spend with you around when I'm going to get my next cigarette. It, it absolutely rules everything I do in my day, and there's nothing I can do to break away from it. I've tried. I've done everything I can do. There, there, there's no wiggle room involved in this. I have to account for 15 minutes at a time sucked out of my day in order to do this, and it would be something of that nature.
0: Okay. So as we wind down this episode, to our listeners out there, what nugget of wisdom, you know, is there something you would like to leave them with?
1: You know, I I, I don't have any of my own. I'm not a, I'm not an original guy, but but the the most important thing I can say is change is possible. There is hope. Um, you hear a lot of a lot of we in recovery. And we in the recovery that work in the recovery field talk about how much danger, uh, how much language matters and how it can be dangerous. Um, you know, there's a lot of cliches you're going to hear that, that people want to use in a certain way. Like, like, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. That goes for positive things, too. You know, if, it, if it's if it's working, keep doing it. Don't ever quit, man. Don't ever quit. You deserve more. Um, you you deserve a life worth living it is possible to make that happen don't you know i i hate to sound like a facebook meme but but just don't quit you know you may have to stop you may have to cry and that's okay you may have to let somebody else carry the ball for a couple yards as long as you stay in the game you know it it, it, no moment has to define you um you know, the, the whole Rocky mentality. It, it, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how many times you can get hit and move forward. It, 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 it's, it's, it's an amazing life to have. The fact that I get to participate in things like, when I first met you, David, I didn't expect that I would ever have the respect needed. To sit down and record a podcast with you, I, I respected your position and the things you were doing in the recovery world, and 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 whenever I met you, I had a certain view of recovery and a certain stringent definition of it and and what it was. Um, but because growth is possible, that definition has changed over the years. Um, never quit growing. Remain open minded. Uh, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous talks about three essentials of recovery. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. And I'll say this, and I'll be real quiet. Um, I'd use this analogy all the time. I think my barbecue ribs are the best in Cape. You can't tell me nothing about barbecue ribs. Nothing. Like, they're amazing. I love them. My wife loves them. Everybody tells me I make the best barbecue ribs, and it taps into my fat-ass ego. But if I become honest with myself that my way might not be the only way, I become open-minded to listen to you give me some suggestions on barbecue ribs and then I become willing to give those suggestions a shot, I can have a whole new experience with barbecue ribs and that goes for anything in my life. I can have a whole new experience with life today if I just maintain those three essentials and I I stay open-minded and willing to try something new and trying something new has brought me I used to I used to pray that I'd wind up in a big house surrounded by women. A wife and 3 kids is not or 3 daughters is not what I had in mind. It's not what I had in mind, but it is the life I never knew I wanted and you can get there too. Everybody can make this happen. Recovery is possible and it's a, it it's probably the easier way.
0: All right. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, David. I appreciate you having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. And thanks a lot, listeners. Y'all have a great week. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's a better life and recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, BLIR underscore NPO. Also, this podcast is part of the studio DNA podcast network. You can find out more about the network at studioDna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week.